they had from knowledge. And that's why the point the Shaykh is making here is similar to the point he's going to mention later on. That the person who you fear for is the one that walks around without any defense. He walks around without any defense. Meaning any innovator can come to him with some doubts and those doubts he'll take them in because he knows nothing better. He knows nothing to refute that doubt or to recognize that it's a falsehood. He doesn't know. He walks around defenseless for anybody to come and attack him and to whisper to him and take him wherever they want to take him. And so what is the defense going to be? What is your shield going to be? It is of course knowledge. Knowledge of the Qur'an and the Sunnah. And remember from the very basic books that you study, Al-Usul Sitta, the six fundamental principles. Many of you will have studied that or read it. In there it mentions to you what the meaning of knowledge is. Knowledge is not geography and English and science or whatever, mathematics. Knowledge is that which comes in the Sharia, Al-Ilmu Shar'i. Knowledge of the Qur'an, knowledge of the Sunnah. That's the defense of the Sunni. That is the defense of a believer against the doubts and misguidances and innovations that come upon him from every angle. So the Shaykh says, be aware of this. They will come. Those individuals, they come with their claims and their evidences. They come with their ayat and their ahadith even. They come quoting statements of great scholars, Salafi scholars. They come with all of that. But it is their misguidance, their interpretations that are false upon those affairs where the misguidance lies within. And so, أَعْظَمُ السِّلَاحِ is سِلَاحُ الْعِلْمِ The greatest weapon is the weapon of knowledge. The greatest weapon is the weapon of knowledge. That you are able to defend yourself upon knowledge. The misguided one comes to you with his evidences from the Qur'an, from the Sunnah, from the statements of the scholars, the Salafi scholars. But you know better. You know the evidences, you know the principles, and you are able to debunk, you're able to rebuke and refute his claims that he comes with. So the greatest of weapons is the weapon of knowledge. So then the Shaykh says, إِذَا عَرَفْتَ ذَلِكَ If you then know that, وَعَرَفْتَ أَنَّ الطَّرِيقَ إِلَى اللَّهِ تَعَالَى لَا بُدَّ لَهُ مِنْ أَعْدَاءٍ قَاعِدِينَ عَلَيْهِ So if you now understand that, and you understand that the path to Allah, there will be absolutely, there will be enemies upon that path sitting and waiting, lying in wait for you on that path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You now know that certainly those enemies will face you. You will face them. You will encounter them upon this path. And they will be, they may well be, أَهْلِ فَصَاحَةٍ وَعِلْمٍ وَحُجَجٍ And they may well be people of eloquence, eloquent in their language, eloquent in their ability to speak, 
eloquent in their expressions and phrases and terminology, eloquent in their ability, in their speech and their statements, they may well be of that level. وعلم, and they may well be of knowledge, that they have knowledge, they do have some understanding of the affairs. وحجج, and they may be people of evidences, those misguided ones, those innovators may well be of these characteristics. That's why it is so important for the individual to gain knowledge. And so the Shaykh says, فَالْوَاجِبُ عَلَيْكَ Therefore the obligation upon you, أَن تَعْلَمَ مِن دِينِ اللَّهِ مَا يَصِيرُ صِلَاحًا لَكَ تُقَاتِلُ بِهِ هَؤُلَاءِ الشَّيَاطِينَ It is therefore binding upon you, mandatory upon you, that you then gain knowledge of the religion of Allah, such that this knowledge becomes a weapon for you, that you can fight these shayateen away. That knowledge becomes your weapon, that you can fight these shayateen away with. الَّذِينَ قَالَ إِمَامُهُمْ وَمُقَدِّمُهُمْ لِرَبِّكَ عَزَّ وَجَلْ Those shayateen, their leader who said, their leader and their imam and the one at the head of them all said to Allah, لَأَقْعُدَنَّ لَهُمْ صِرَاطَكَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ That I will sit and wait for them upon your straight path. Upon your straight path, the path to Allah, I will wait for them on that path. لَأَقْعُدَنَّ Meaning that I will wait, I will lie in wait. لَهُمْ صِرَاطَكَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ ثُمَّ لَآتِيَنَّهُمْ مِنْ بَيْنِ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَمِنْ خَلْفِهِمْ وَعَنْ أَيْمَانِهِمْ وَعَنْ شَمَائِلِهِمْ Then I will come to them, from in front of them, and from behind them, and from the right of them, and from the left of them, وَلَا تَجِدُ أَكْثَرَهُمْ شَاكِرِينَ And you do not find that many of them are from the grateful. Here, Ali Sheikh, he mentions, فَالْوَاجِبُ عَلَيْكَ أَنْ تَعْلَمَ مِنْ دِينِ اللَّهِ الَّذِي أَنْزَلَهُ مَا يَصِيرُ صِلَاحًا لَكَ تَذُبُّ بِهِ عَنْ نَفْسِكَ وَدِينِكَ وَتُدَافِعُ عَنْهِ أو تُدَافِعُ بِهِ That you gain enough knowledge to be able to preserve yourself, protect yourself and your religion and to defend, to defend the religion with it meaning with that knowledge, وَتُقَاتِلُوا بِهِ هَأُولَاءِ الشَّيَاطِينَ and to fight against these shayateen. وَهُمْ بِهَذَا الْمَقَامِ أَعْظَمُ ضَرَرًا مِنْ شَيَاطِينِ الْجِنِ And who are the shayateen that are being referenced here? We said last time, the shayateen of mankind. It is not necessarily referencing the shayateen of the jinn, because the greater danger is from the shayateen of the ins, the shayateen of mankind. They are of greater harm upon a person than the shayateen of the jinn. وَهُمْ نُوَّابْ Iblis, And they are the... the the right-hand men of Iblis, or the foot soldiers of Iblis, they are his workers. Iblis, the one who said himself that I will wait for them upon your straight path, meaning, لا أتركوا أحدا يمر إلا 
تشبثت به اغويته واغويته لشده عداوته لهذا النوع الانساني اساس لا اترك احدا يمر الا تشبثت به واغويته لشده عداوته لهذا النوع الانساني that i will not leave any one of them except that i attempt to misguide him and this is from the severity of his enmity to this type of people the severity of his enmity to mankind to the believers فَإِذَا كَانَ الطَّرِيقُ الَّذِي This is the explanation فَإِذَا كَانَ الطَّرِيقُ الَّذِي هَذِهِ صِفَاتُ مَقْعُودٌ عَلَيْهِ وَمَرْسُودٌ عَلَيْهِ بِأَنْوَاعِ الصُّدُوفِ وَأَنْوَاعِ الْقُيُودِ وَأَنْوَاعِ السَّلَاحِ وَأَنْوَاعِ الْحُجَجِ وَالْبَيِّنَاتِ وَأَنْوَاعِ الْكَيْدِ وَالْمَكْرِ وَالْخِدَاعِ فَكَيْفَ يَأْمَنُ الْإِنسَانُ وَلَا يَخَافُ he says, if this is how that straight path is, this is how, this is the description of that straight path, that it is a path whereby the shayateen are sitting waiting for you, to whisper to you and to grab a hold of you and to take you away from that straight path, and they are waiting, not just ignorant, but with evidences. And they are waiting for you with proofs, and doubts, and misguidances, and knowledge. They are lying in wait for you with all of that artillery, in preparation to misguide you. Then how are you going to defend yourself and continue upon that path, if you do not have your weapon to defend yourself? And that weapon is the weapon of knowledge. And that's why it cannot be stressed enough. The importance of seeking knowledge. And a person should never allow his mind, never allow his mind to digress away from the importance of this knowledge. The importance of learning the Quran and the Sunnah. And the more you learn, the more you realize how little you know. A person may memorize the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi. And he understands all the explanation. He may even memorize all of the chains of narration for 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi. And he thinks to himself, MashaAllah, he feels good now. 40 hadith. All of it memorized with the chains of narration, with the takhrij, everything. And then he goes and opens up Al-Bukhari and sees 8,000 sitting in front of him. And then he realizes what he's done is nothing compared to what is left. But then maybe he goes and does all of Bukhari. MashaAllah, finishes all of that. And then he goes and realizes from the Sahihain there is Muslim. And then he realizes there are the Sunan. And then he realizes there's the Musnad and the Muwatta and this and that. He realizes the more he gains, how little he knows. And that's an amazing concept. Because the more knowledge you gain, then surely the more knowledgeable you're becoming and the less there is that you don't know. But the reality is not like that. The more you learn, the more you realize how much more there is for you to learn. That's how it is. The more you learn, the more you understand how much more there is for you to learn. A person who's only ever heard of, for example, Bukhari Muslim, Ibn Majah, Tirmidhi, Nisai Abu Dawud. He's heard of those six books. So he thinks, okay, let me go and study those properly, studies them properly. But he's never heard of the details of the Muatta. He's never heard of the details of the Musnad. He's never heard of the, the Masanid of the other, Ibn Abi Shayba, this, that, the other. So many other books he's never even heard of. Only through more and more knowledge does he start to expand and realize how much more there is. It is a vast ocean, this knowledge.
That's why they say that this knowledge in lam tu'atihi kullak in lam tu'atihi kullak lam yu'atika shay'an that if you do not give this knowledge 100% of yourself if you do not give knowledge a hundred percent of yourself, then knowledge will not give you anything back. Knowledge will not give you anything back. You try to do a deal with knowledge, you try to do a deal with knowledge, I'll give you 95% investment. Give me something back. Knowledge refuses. I'll give you 98% investment. Give me something back. Refuses. Knowledge will not give you anything in your investment unless you are giving it a hundred percent investment. Statement of the Salaf. إِن لَمْ تُعْطِهِ كُلَّكْ لَمْ يُعْطِيكَ شَيْئًا وَإِنْ أَعْطَيْتَهُ بَعْضَكَ أَعْطَاكَ بَعْضَهُ That if you do not Give uh, uh, And if you give all of your 100%, so you think, okay, خلاص, we'll do the deal with knowledge, I will give my 100% effort. I'll give it then, 100% effort. You're going to give me back 100, I assume. Knowledge says I'll give you back 0.5. I'll give you back 0.7. I'll give you back 1%, go, happy now. You give your full effort to knowledge, knowledge will give you a little bit back. But if you don't give your full effort, knowledge won't even give you anything back. That's what they used to say. If you give your full effort to knowledge, you'll get a little bit out of it. If you don't even give your full effort, 95, 98, 99, you'll get nothing back. So only with a hundred percent effort can you get even a little bit out of knowledge. Anything less than a hundred percent, you'll get nothing out of knowledge. And that's why the scholars, they say, and we've mentioned this many a time before, that there is the student of knowledge who only has general knowledge. And then there is the student of knowledge who has the proper knowledge, the specific knowledge. General knowledge, that may well be the case of a person, for example, many years has been attending gatherings of knowledge, many years has been reading books, many years been listening to lectures, but never in a serious way never making notes and memorizing and going home and revising, coming back again, listening, repeating, never in that way. Coming and attending, listening, attending conference, reading a book here, a book there. That kind of person will have some understanding from that plentiful reading and attending lessons. They'll have some understanding. But all they're going to have is general knowledge. You say to them, okay, explain cash for shubuhat, they cannot. They'll be able to generally tell you, okay, it was about this and it was about that. That's only general knowledge and that is a very uh, superficial level of knowledge. Very superficial level of knowledge. The reality of knowledge is the one who learns the principles, learns the evidences, memorizes, and is able to break down the affairs with understanding. When it comes to fiqh, that he understands the mas'ala, understands that particular topic, understands the evidences surrounding that topic, understands the, the fiqh taken from each of those evidences, how to then put that all together to come to a conclusion on the affair. And that's why the scholars, they often mention in affairs where there are differences of opinion in, that only the scholars are really going to be able to give you a breakdown of those issues. 
People think now I'm going to do a bath, mashallah. I'm going to write a research paper, I'm going to do a bath on the topic of wiping on the socks, this topic, that topic. And I'm going to go and read the hadith and put them all together. The scholars, they say the reality is detailed issues. Then those detailed issues, you're only going to find the real breakdown from the speech of the scholars, the grounded senior scholars. And you're not going to find that broken down by anybody less. Because the level of depth in knowledge required on certain issues, it's only going to be reached by those who are at that top level of knowledge. So the point being here, he says that this path, there will be those deviants and there will be those shayateen waiting for you to misguide you. And so your hope or what you require is to have your weapon, the weapon of knowledge to defend yourself. If you look at the books like the three fundamental principles, another one of the very simple basic books to learn, in that book it talks about the level of knowledge that a person needs to gain. There is a minimum quantity of knowledge that every person needs to have. And that minimum quantity can be defined as what? How do you define the minimum quantity that everybody has to have? Without actually giving examples, without saying prayers, akat, without giving examples, what's a definition you can give of the minimum quantity of knowledge that everybody has to have. Fardain, that's obligatory, but what? What level is obligatory? It is the level that you require to be able to worship Allah correctly. Meaning, you have to pray five times a day. Therefore, it is obligatory upon you as a minimum level of knowledge to know how to pray properly according to the sunnah. If you don't, then how are you worshipping Allah every day? Wudu, minimum level of knowledge, you need to know how to perform that properly. If you don't, how are you doing it every day? Fasting, minimum level of knowledge to understand the fiqh and the ahkam how to do fasting, what's allowed, what's not, because if you don't know that, how are you doing it every year? Zakat, how are you giving it if you know nothing about the details, even at a general minimum level? And at the head of all of that, Aqeedah and Tawheed, how are you going to distinguish between Tawheed and Shirk, if you don't even know the minimum level of distinction between them? The minimum level of understanding the shahada, understanding the basics of tawheed and aqeedah, understanding the affairs of shirk and where the boundaries are between them. This is all minimum level knowledge. Nobody can come now and say to you, tell me how to pray. And you say, I'm not a talib al-ilm. Go to uh, such and such, he's a student of knowledge. What do you mean? How do you pray every day then? How do you pray every day if you can't even tell me how to pray? How do you pray if you don't know what the pillars of the prayer are and the obligations of the prayer and the sunnah acts of the prayer? How do you pray? You don't know what times each prayer is supposed to be, then how do you pray? How do you do these acts of worship? By having that minimum level of knowledge. That is the minimum level of knowledge. And as a Shaykh Al-Fawzan mentioned in Al-Usul Sitta, everybody has a level of knowledge. Nobody can say, I don't know anything, I can't understand anything. No, everybody has a level of knowledge. Just like the example given, a valley, when it rains, fills up with water. How much water is going to fill up in that valley? How much? Huh? Depends how deep it is. 
How much water is going to fill up in that valley depends on how deep it is. What if it's the size of a small pothole? Like on these Manchester roads, mashallah. Change your tires every three weeks coming here. So a small pothole outside, how much water is that going to take in? Is it going to take any water when it rains or not? Not much, but will it take some or not? Even if the pothole is two centimeters by two centimeters, tiny little piece of tarmac came out. When it rains, that will fill up with water. So regardless of the size of that hole and the depth of it, whatever that might be, the tiniest one, one centimeter hole, small tiny piece of tarmac comes out. When it rains, there'll be water in it. As Shaykh Al-Fawzan said, this is like the minds of the people. This is how the hearts of the people are, the abilities of the people are. Everybody has some ability. Some people may be like the valleys, and they are filled with water, meaning filled with knowledge. And others may be the small pothole example. Still, some water fills into it. Still, some knowledge is gained in it. Still, everybody understands the basics. There are certain things in the Quran, everybody understands. And there can be no excuse for anybody. This is an example given. Do not come close, do not approach, go anywhere near fornication. Does it require that a person has to have a degree and a master's and a PhD in Islamic studies to understand the ayah, do not go anywhere near fornication. No, it does not. Do not drink alcohol, do not do this, do this. Simple affairs like that, everybody understands. These are affairs of the religion that are minimum level knowledge. Everybody can comprehend. So you cannot say like the deviants they say and the Sufis they say, you people, you understand nothing. The, the Imam, just follow what he says. Don't try and tell me you went and read. What do you mean you read? Who are you? You went and read or something and now you know what's going on. You follow what the Imam says, be quiet. That's how they are like. This is their way. And they teach their people, behave with your Imam as though you are a corpse in front of him. A corpse, it is completely under the control of the one washing it. The one washing it moves the arm of the corpse, the arm moves, moves the other arm, the other arm moves, pushes it this way, that way, the corpse will do what the person is doing to it. Will it give any resistance? A corpse, a corpse. They say, be like the corpse. Whatever your Imam says, whatever instruction he gives you, then you do it. It's like the phrase they have these days, somebody says to you, jump, you just say, how high, Sheikh? You don't question anything else. And this is the way of the people of innovation, the way of the people of misguidance, that they expect you to blind follow their Imams, whatever he says, whatever he tells you, regardless of understanding evidence, he knows better. And the high level ones, the top level ones, they tell their people that our Imams, they can, what we call these days, read between the lines. What you're reading in the Mus'haf, that's one thing. But when the superior Imam reads that page, there are things in between the lines that he understands that you can't understand. You're just seeing the black and white what's on the page of the Mus'haf that you've memorized. The Imam, when he reads it, he can understand things from that in between the lines, the hidden affairs that you don't see. So it doesn't matter how much you say you've memorized it all or half, if you don't understand, only the Imam is able to see that hidden writing, like those white pens and then you put a light on it and it comes out. Only the Imams can do that, they say. So here he says,
If you then understand this affair, you will therefore understand you need to have your weapon, and that is the weapon of knowledge. وَلَكِنْ إِذَا أَقْبَلْتَ عَلَى اللَّهِ وَأَصْغَيْتَ إِلَى حُجَجِ اللَّهِ وَبَيِّنَاتِهِ فَلَا تَخَفْ وَلَا تَحْزَنْ إِنَّ كَيْدَ الشَّيْطَانِ كَانَ ضَعِيفًا But then he says, If you then turn to Allah, you turn to Allah, and you give your attention and focus and listen to the evidences and clarifications that Allah has given, meaning you gain that knowledge, you gain that understanding and that knowledge, and you have your weapon, فَلَا تَخَفْ وَلَا تَحْزَنْ Then in that case, do not fear and do not grieve over any affair. And in the Qur'an, when that phrase comes, what does it mean often in the Qur'an? When it says, do not fear and do not grieve. Do not fear for what is coming, that you are in the promise of Allah for the afterlife, and do not grieve over what's come by. You are from those forgiven and goodness is uh, written for you. Here, لا تخف ولا تحزن Then don't have any fear or any grief over anything because إِنَّ كَيْدَ الشَّيْطَانِ كَانَ ضَعِيفًا Because the uh, plots of the shaytan, indeed they are weak. They are indeed weak. Then he says, وَالْعَامِّ مِنَ الْمُوَحِّدِينَ يَغْلِبُ الْأَلْفَ مِنْ عُلَمَاءِ هَأُولَاءِ الْمُشْرِكِينَ That a commoner, a layman, from the people of Tawheed, a layman, a commoner, from the people of Tawheed, will be able to overwhelm and overcome and defeat a thousand of the scholars of the mushrikeen. They're so-called scholars. A layman who is upon tawheed, grounded upon tawheed, will be able to overcome a thousand of the mushrikeen no matter what level of their knowledge and evidences that they bring. Because the man upon Tawheed is upon that revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that final religion that Allah said, الْيَوْمَ أَكْمَلْتُ لَكُمْ دِينَكُمْ On this day I have completed for you your religion. And then mentions, وَرَضِيتُ لَكُمْ الْإِسْلَامَ دِينَ And I am pleased with Islam as your religion at the end. That final revelation, that religion, that Qur'an, that sunnah, just as the Prophet ﷺ said, إِنِّي تَارِكٌ فِيكُمْ شَيْئَيْنِ مَا إِن تَمَسَّكْتُمْ بِهِ مَا لَنْ تَضِلُّ بَعْدِي That I'm gonna leave two things behind. As long as you cling on to them, you won't go astray after me. كتاب الله وسنتي أو كما قال The book of Allah and my sunnah. So the one who has that, then don't grieve and don't fear. For indeed the plots of the shaitan are weak. And so the commoner from the people of Tawheed, he would overcome a thousand of those individuals from their so-called scholars. And the meaning of the commoner here, what is the meaning of the commoner? How do they say it in English there? Huh? Commoner. So the commoner from the people of Tawheed, what is the meaning of the commoner? How do you define the level of a commoner? Is it how you mention about the general knowledge? I suppose you could say that. A commoner, it doesn't mean 
somebody who just started practicing yesterday after 20 years as a as a drug dealer yesterday he came and started practicing you're going to say he is the commoner meant and he's going to go and defeat all of the uh, mushrikeen the commoner here is the opposite of the scholar there is the level of the scholars and then there is the level compared to them relative to them of the commoners the commoners compared to the scholars so the commoners then they even they who are not at the level of scholars the general folk brothers sisters been studying been learning general folk like that they're not at the level of scholars even those people would be able to go and defeat their so-called scholars who are upon that shirk كَمَا قَالَ تَعَالَى وَإِنَّ جُنْدَنَا لَهُمُ الْغَالِبُونَ That indeed our army, they are the ones who are the successful, the ones who are overwhelming of the others, who overcome the others. فَجُنْدُ اللَّهِ هُمُ الْغَالِبُونَ بِالْحِجَّةِ وَالْلِسَانِ So the army of Allah, they are the ones who are victorious. They are the ones who overcome the others with the evidences and with their lisan, meaning with their ability to construct those evidences and present those evidences and to refute the arguments of misguidance. Just like they are physically also uh, superior and they overcome with the sword just as physically in that way then uh, in this manner also the manner of knowledge he says the fear though is upon a person of tawheed who treads upon this path and does not have any weapon treads upon this path and does not have any weapon because he is a person who has not learned the evidences of his religion and you know it's important to focus on that and the point about the general students of knowledge Think about yourselves and the number of years that you've been studying perhaps, the number of years you've been attending gatherings of knowledge, the number of years you've attended conferences, the number of years you've been listening to lectures. After all of those years, are you now in a position to be able to answer the question, Man Rabbuka, in a reasonable amount of detail? Are you in a position now to answer the question with detail and evidences? Madinuka, what is your religion? Are you able and in a position to answer with evidences? Some narrations, evidences, Mannabiyuka, history, background, who is your prophet? Are you in a position to explain what knowledge is and who the scholars are? Are you in a position to explain ikhlas and sincerity in the religion and break it down and give some evidences? If you're not in a position to do any of that, then you are currently at the general knowledge level of the student. Because to get beyond the general knowledge level of the student, you need to be in a position where you can do all of that. That's then going beyond just being a general knowledge level of student into a more detailed level where you understand the affairs and you can break them down and you can explain them and you know some evidences and you know some narrations and you understand how to explain that affair and break it down. So he says the one that you fear for is the one who doesn't have that knowledge and walks upon that path without any weapon. وَقَدْ مَنَّ اللَّهُ عَلَيْنَا بِكِتَابِهِ الَّذِي جَعَلَهُ تِبْيَانًا لِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ وَهُدًا وَرَحْمَةً وَبُشْرًا لِلْمُسْلِمِينَ 
And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us, bestowed upon us with His book. Allah has bestowed upon us His book, the one which He made as a clarification for everything. Tibiyanan li kulli shay. Wahuda and a guidance. Warahma and a mercy. Wabushra and a glad tidings lil muslimin for the Muslims. Allah has bestowed upon us that book that He made a clarification for everything and a guidance and a mercy and a glad tidings for the Muslims. That knowledge which comes in the Qur'an and then the Sunnah alongside it. This particular ayah, they mentioned that example, as Shaykh Al-Ithameen rahimahullah ta'ala mentioned it, perhaps it was regarding himself, perhaps it was regarding somebody else. That there was a, a, a scholar, Muslim scholar, and a person from the people of the book came to him, I believe it was a person of the book, came to him and said, you Muslims claim that the Qur'an is tibyanan li kulli shay. It is a clarification of every matter and a guidance and a mercy and glad tidings. You claim this of your Qur'an, it's in your Qur'an. And this incident apparently occurred in a restaurant. And so that non-Muslim said to the scholar, this is what you claim and this is what's in your Qur'an, that it's a clarification for everything. So tell me where in the Qur'an it clarifies the recipe for this food you're eating right now. Tell me where in the Qur'an it clarifies the recipe of how to make this dish you're eating right now. You claim it is tibyan and likulli shay. A clarification for everything. So the scholar said to him, of course, of course, absolutely. The Qur'an explains how this dish is cooked, how this meal, this particular one is cooked. So then they say, that the scholar called the chef over and said to the chef, explain how this dish is made and the chef explained it. The kafir said, what are you talking about? I said the Qur'an, you said the Qur'an, the chef is another thing. The scholar said, well, the Qur'an tells us, in the Qur'an it tells us, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ Ask the people of remembrance, the people of knowledge, if you do not know. So the one of knowledge regarding this recipe is the chef. chef. The Qur'an told me to do that. The Qur'an told me, ask the people of knowledge, if you don't know. The chef is the person of knowledge. So the Qur'an is the one that directed me to the recipe for this dish. So the point being, tibyanan li kulli shay. That's just an example a Shaykh al-Ithameen gave to highlight that the Qur'an it is a guidance for your affairs, guidance for your affairs, and a clarification of your affairs. Then, فَلَا يَأْتِي صَاحِبُ بَاطِلٍ بِحُجَّةِ إِلَّا وَفِي الْقُرْآنِ مَا يَنْقُضُهَا وَيُبَيِّنُ بُطْلَانَهَا So now after explaining all of that, he says, and therefore, there is no person of misguidance of deviation who comes to you with an evidence except that in the Qur'an you will find evidence that nullifies and negates what he has come with. The Qur'an will nullify their false evidences, negate and rebuke their false evidences, whatever they come with. The Qur'an will rebuke that false position. They come to you with some false position on aqeedah. The Qur'an will highlight the correct aqeedah. They come to you with some false position and some other affair. The ayat of the Qur'an will be a clarification. But that is the point then we'll pick up on from next week. 
regarding how the Qur'an, it will rebuke and refute all of their misguidances that they come with, no matter what an individual comes with. That point will begin with from next week, inshaAllah ta'ala. And now it's fixed at 8 p.m. For now anyway, until Isha comes earlier. So we'll meet again next week at 8. Any other questions or anything to add? When you were saying that, I was becoming disheartened because I was thinking that I can't give maybe 100% of my day to knowledge. Um, but then I thought maybe it means if I give 100% of what time I do give to it, then I will receive something smaller in terms, for example, this class. Absolutely. It does not mean giving 100% to knowledge. If you do not give 100% to knowledge, then you'll get nothing back. If you give a hundred percent to it, you'll get a little bit back. That doesn't mean a hundred percent of your time. It doesn't mean that. It means a hundred percent of your effort, however amount or whatever amount and way that can be fixed with your affairs. You have other responsibilities, you have rights, no doubt. Families, wife, children, there are other things as well. Nobody's going to say to you, you have to do i'tikaf in the masjid 24-7 from now on. There are affairs you have to look after. But then alongside those affairs, that you prioritize this knowledge, and you're focusing on it with effort, and the way you're doing it, you're revising, you're going over it, you're memorizing, recapping, listening again, attending the lessons. You're doing it all with 100% effort. Not necessarily, in fact, not at all, 100% of the time. There's nobody who can do 100% of their time. You have wives and children and families and work. Of course, that's not the meaning. But the meaning is when you're doing it and where you do it, you give that 100%. Time does come into it. At the University of Medina, time, you used to see the students, how they use their time. So for example, the university mosque on the campus, the University of Medina is on a huge campus with walls all the way around it. It's like a mini village. There are, there's a grocery shops and there's restaurants in there, a laundry, a laundrette in there. Everything is in there. The halls of residence, the actual university, the university mosque. It's a little village enclosed. So imagine this is the university mosque, your halls of residence, Maybe a little bit of a walk away. Mine where I used to be was at least, I would guess maybe 200 meters away. From here you're looking at, maybe you go out, take a right and go left and there's like a post office up there, you start going up near the traffic lights, maybe about there. And you're walking down there to the mosque every day. So that walk, imagine even from the post office over there on the road, when you're walking down, it's at least still three minutes, four minutes walk, five minutes walk maybe. That four or five minutes is not time that is wasted. You would see the students walking to the mosque with their books open, walking to the mosque like this. All the way to the mosque with their books open. You would see them doing it. You would see them in the restaurant. In the uh, restaurant, uh, in the university takeaways and things, getting some food. And they would have their book hanging on or placed with something, the salt and pepper or whatever. Their book on top of it and they're eating and their book is in front of them. That time is not wasted. They used to have buses that take you from the university campus to the haram, to the uh, Masjid al-Nabawi. That was like a 15-minute ride. It's uh, three miles away. It was about 15-20 minutes on the bus to go from the university to the haram. You don't just sit on the bus looking at the sights outside. You don't just look at the, the sights as you're going along and do nothing. In the bus, 20 minutes. 20 minutes is a long time. You can do so much work in that 20 minutes on the way. And you would see the students with their books on the bus, and the bus is going up and down. The old American buses, you know, the yellow school buses. 
Now they changed them. They got coaches with AC. When we were there, the yellow school buses, and they were the kid size too. It's not a joke. The kid size American school buses, those yellow school buses, three and two. That's the way they were designed, three and two. But there were three kids seats. You can get three kids on them, not three adults. And two there, you can get two kids on them. They were the kids American buses, the actual kids high school ones. But on those three and two kids spaces, we used to have to squeeze on three men there and two men there. So the man on the edge is only half sitting on the seat. You have to kind of bend and go at, at an angle. But nevertheless, on that ride, you're sitting with your books. And you're reading your books, or you've got something you're listening to in your ear. Those times are not wasted. Nowadays, here, people going to work. You have a half an hour drive to work. Half an hour drive back. You don't just sit there listening to the radio doing nothing. Do something in that time. Half an hour there, half an hour back. You can be listening to a lecture there and back. There are from those, from the du'at, from the, from the du'at, from the tulabul ilm in the West. I know that there are brothers who do this. That driving, they'll listen to a lecture. They'll be listening to a lecture driving, listening to the lectures of other tulabul ilm, even just various things like that. You don't waste your time. So that comes into giving it 100%. There are many times of the day you can utilize that people maybe don't utilize. So that's all part of that 100%. Anything else? Some scholars, they say, every following of a desire is technically shirk. Because the one who follows his desires, then that's a, a form of committing shirk. Because you are then giving priority to your desire over the worship of Allah, the obedience of Allah. So some of the scholars have said, every uh, desire that you act upon and you follow, then technically you are committing a type of shirk. It is not shirk akbar, you are exited from Islam now straight away. But it is a type that you are associating with Allah. Your desire for these other affairs, you're giving it priority over the obedience to Allah. So some of them will say every time it occurs, it is considered a type of it. And others, of course, maybe they don't give that explanation. And then it will be something of a greater level. Anybody else? In that case, we'll round off for today then. Resume next week at 8 p.m. insha'Allah ta'ala.